Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the no BS marketing podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. In-depth and valuable content matters more than being dramatically correct all the time. Today's guest is Becca Sherman, the co-founder and COO of Workweek, a growing collective of industry experts who are changing the world of business by creating content you'll actually enjoy. She also previously was the director of revenue at Marketer Hire and a general manager at The Hustle. Today, we chat about why you should go in-depth in a newsletter, why creators are the future of media, and how to fight for the space in the inbox. Hope you enjoy this episode. I'm a big fan of what the Decibel team is doing with audio advertising. They make it easy to get in the ears of your customers with advanced targeting, a powerful conversion pixel, and a choice between human and AI voices. Their powerful platform integrates across almost all streaming and podcast platforms. Sign up now at decibeladscom using code Millennials for $100 in credits. Start your campaign in as little as five minutes at decibeladscom What's up, Becca? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Daniel. Stoked to be here. Good to see you. I'm super excited and I wanted to ask you the first question is, how did you get into the marketing space? Yeah, it's a good question. It's been a winding path, but my first job after college was in pharmaceutical advertising in New York City. I didn't love it. I bounced pretty fast, but over the years, found my way back. I moved out to the Bay Area to do the the Silicon Valley SaaS startup thing and just realized I, I really missed media and advertising and doing something more creative. And back in 2016, I made the move to join The Hustle, or 2017, 2016, 2017. And uh, I've been in media and in the newsletter world very much ever since. That's awesome. I know you have had a great journey, and now you're running a media company, so we can get into that a little later. But I know you're really passionate about newsletters and media companies. So how do you think about what makes a great newsletter and what makes a great media company? When I think about newsletters in particular, a challenge I have for many folks when they ask, should I start a newsletter, is what is the purpose? Which audience are you trying to serve? I think there has been this newsletter boom over the past couple of years, and a lot of companies um, and brands have decided to launch newsletters that aren't that good. Um, And they're not thinking critically about the difference between email marketing and newsletters. And so I think what makes a good newsletter is as simple as what is your mission? Who is the audience you're trying to serve? And is your content genuinely good? Is it genuinely good enough for them? If the answer is no, or you don't have the resources to put forth into creating a newsletter that's really good, content that's really good in newsletter form, stick to email marketing. Not everyone needs a newsletter and it's probably more, more hurtful than helpful at a certain point. When I think about what makes a great media company, you know, my uh, co-founder, obviously, you know him, Adam, at Workweek, we've done a lot of thinking about what makes a great media company, what excites us in media. And 
we're trying to do something radically different in media with Workweek in that we work specifically with creators. We focus on letting people's personalities shine front and center more than the media brand. We focus on quality content. And that doesn't mean highly produced, super polished. It means in the weeds, really good content, um, even if there are a bunch of typos and it's not the prettiest thing you've ever seen. And we pay creators, I think, the right way, which is every creator at Workweek, everyone who creates a newsletter, a podcast, what have you, they are getting royalties from everything they do at Workweek. It's not a typical kind of traditional journalism role where you're writing for a larger organization and and aren't seeing the fruits of your labor. So uh, I know that might have been a long answer to your question, but uh, I think simply put, a great media company is one that provides opportunities to grow with creators, puts personalities front and center, and really shares shares the fruits of the labor across the team. Yeah, I love that. I think a lot of the problems, and I was just talking to someone about this yesterday, is a lot of creators or a lot of when you part brands partner with creators, it's one and done and they have no incentive to push a brand longer or push themselves longer because they don't have extra equity into the the result of what their media property actually is doing. So they just do their job and clock in, clock out. And it doesn't matter how good anything is because the growth doesn't really matter to them. So yeah, um, I love that model. What do you think is one of the greatest challenges today in building a newsletter that is becomes a media asset? The biggest challenge is that there are more newsletters now than ever before. It's really a fight for space in the inbox. When Adam and I were getting started in the newsletter world back in you know 2016, 2017, there just simply weren't that many competitors. The space was a little bit more open. And now, you know, it feels like, especially with the Substack boom and everything that has gone on these past couple of years, everybody and their brother has a newsletter. So you really have to fight for your audience's attention. Your content really has to be good if you want it to be consumed and read and engaged with. There isn't room for just half work on newsletters. People will will unsubscribe, they'll they'll move on. So when building a newsletter, it's, it's really getting in touch with your audience, learning what they want, knowing your own stuff, and being dedicated to putting a lot of work into creating something really good. How much do you think of this attention boom of all these newsletters is the person or the entity or the brand that's sending the newsletter play a part of it? It's a great way to capture attention, but it won't keep attention. Being a creator, I mean, this whole, the word creator is so loaded at this point, it means so much. And for a creator, a newsletter creator to be really successful in capturing and keeping attention, it's not only about being in the newsletter and having the newsletter and making sure the newsletter is great. It's about engaging with your audience in many different places and many different ways throughout the day and throughout the week, having a strong social presence Uh, If you have a podcast, knowing that you can't just plug a transcript of your podcast into a newsletter and hope it grows, really thinking through where you're seeing your audience, the different types of ways you can engage with them and 
being thoughtful about how you're repurposing content. So short answer, it's a great way to capture attention if you're a big personality, but you cer- certainly won't keep attention in this environment if you're not creating really good content and also sharing it thoughtfully across other platforms to drive interest and engagement there too. I love it. So like in like simple terms, it's you have to put out valuable stuff and you have to repurpose, redistribute it, remix it in different other places. Otherwise, it's just not going to get the attention it needs. We talk a lot at Workweek about the content flywheel and how every piece of, of content could and should be repurposed across other platforms. We kind of have this analogy. We use a lot of, you know, your newsletter essay is like building a big, beautiful piece of furniture. And there's a ton of sawdust left on the floor after you build this big piece of furniture. So how can you use that sawdust and put that in different places? How does that newsletter essay become 10 really great standalone tweets and maybe one thread? How does it become fodder for your podcast or something that drives another piece of media? How does it become a course someday? Um, There are many ways to repurpose content. And we're always thinking about how can we most efficiently do that? And when you make really valuable content, that becomes a lot easier to do to recreate it or repurpose it rather. What is a marketing hill that you would die on? A hill I would die on is that creators are the future of media. We as a culture are much more interested and much more willing to connect with people rather than brands and institutions. We've seen brands like Barstool lean into personality and you are a fan of a person at Barstool. You are a fan of, even in traditional media, you're a fan of like a particular news anchor often if you're a a TV news watcher. So a hill I'll die on is we are, the creator trend is not going to die, especially in the world of TikTok and Twitter and all the social media we have. People are only because going to become more dedicated and invested in the personalities and the people they like. And the more you can connect with your audience in an authentic way, the more you're going to be able to connect with them and share your thoughts in many different ways. What's a trend in newsletters that you're seeing right now that people should jump on? A trend I'm seeing is people being unafraid to go in depth in their newsletter. In the past like five or six years, there, there have been a lot of newsletters that are focused, which have a great place. And I, I like think they should exist where it's newsletters like The Skim and Morning Brew and The Hustle, where you see a lot of kind of quick, succinct content. How do I read this in five minutes? There is always going to be a place for that. And I love it and read those things all the time. I also think with the Substack boom and, and what we're doing at Workweek as well is really going deeper. It doesn't have to be a separate report or a blog post you really can write a substantial piece, a substantial essay, something that's going to require more attention um, from your audience if you're talking to the right audience and you're serving them well with the content you're creating. And I think we've seen people like Packy McCormick and Mario Gabriel um, and folks at Workweek who uh, like Adam with Perpetual, where we're not afraid to get a little bit longer, go deeper, talk to people at a higher level, not afraid to use acronyms, There are a lot of people, you know, my mom said she subscribed to Adam's newsletter and she was like, I didn't understand anything. And I was like, of course you didn't. You know, you work in healthcare, not in media. So being unafraid to to go deep and on that note, being unafraid to be personal and talk like a human 
And I think we've been working towards that as a culture for a long time, but being able to get personal with your audience, say what you think, talk how you talk to your friends, formality is dying. We don't wear, most of us, I'm sure there are definitely still some of us, but most people I know don't show up to work in heels and suits and ties. Most people I know show up to work in sneakers and and maybe a nice t-shirt. So moving in the same, I think all of media and, and definitely newsletters are moving in that same direction. And the more authenticity you can convey in your content, the better. I think also on the note of long versus the short content, I think it depends who's writing it and how they can capture attention through the whole newsletter. Because I think long forms of content like a movie or or podcasts or need to have some sort of format that keeps the reader engaged. That's why it's hard. You have to be a great writer to do it. I think that's why there is a place, but I think right now and with all this content out there, it's hard for people to read long form because a lot of long forms sucks. Like, yeah, I mean, I agree with that too. And, and something that I, I also believe is you got to do a little bit of both. And not every single person in your audience will read everything that you create. You have to assume that they won't. And how can you create maybe two different pieces, two different types of newsletters during the week? One that's a little bit lighter, more curation, links out to your deeper essays. Leaning into your strengths there, I think, is really important. And also just really going back to knowing your audience and being able to provide them with different ways to connect. That's the same idea as repurposing content across social media the same ideas, having a podcast and a newsletter. Not everyone's a podcast listener. Not everyone's a newsletter reader. How can you use great the core of great content and do it in different ways? Not everyone should be doing the same thing. And definitely based on your audience, you should be testing and, and changing and doing different things. And I think that what you're saying too is like, which is a lot of people just, you just have to understand who you're writing for at the end of the day. Uh, and that's what yeah. a lot of people don't spend time realizing and analyzing. Does this piece work or does this piece, do they actually want this type of content? It's a product at the end of the day. And I've been thinking a lot about this on social media of there's like product market fit and then there's like content market fit. Sometimes your ideas are not going to hit and it's not going to hit on that platform either. So you have to find the right content for the right platform and keep using it. Otherwise, if you want attention, I mean, otherwise you just could write for, you could just write to write if you really want to. Which is great. And, but you know, if you're okay with that, I just think to your point, there is content market fit. If you want people to hear you, you need to build strong distribution channels. And I think the most critical piece of that is, really being self-aware enough and willing to listen to your audience and format your thoughts in a way that's going to be right for that audience. Understanding the people you're writing for and what your purpose is, is so critical. And I think there are a lot of, you know, I saw someone post the other day, like, oh, medium doesn't work. I'm like, well, maybe it's just, it's just, you're writing something that the people there don't, aren't reading. And, And how can you repurpose this in other ways and get creative with your content format to find the right content market fit i love that people people say that on linkedin and twitter all the time it's like it doesn't work but have you checked what you're writing in those (laughs) platforms uh that's funny i'm super impressed how decibel is powering audio advertising it's hard to create 
ads that get in the ears of your customers. But with Decibel's advanced targeting, marketers can reach the customers effectively and at scale across almost all digital streaming platforms. The icing on the cake, a powerful pixel for conversion attribution, and a choice between human and AI voices already baked into the platform. Visit decibelads.com and launch your campaign in less than five minutes using code millennials for $100 in credits. That's decibelads.com to get started now. Who's inspiring you in this media space today? Who are some people that you look up to and you look to for advice or just as inspiration? I mean, my very genuine and very cheesy answer is uh, my co-founder, Adam, I think is one of the most inspirational people in media right now. I love getting to get just kind of in the weeds with in discussions with him, but a less um, work week centered answer. Someone I love following is Sean Griffey from Industry Dive. Industry Dive is such an incredible business. It might have been my favorite podcast. Perpetual podcast was Adam and Sean really digging into how Industry Dive was built, how they think about entering different categories in the market, how they think about their product. They do not get, I I just, they're incredible. Um, A huge inspiration to me. I love watching everything that they do. And I also, I don't know Sean personally, but he just seems like a really good guy and is someone who has lifted other people up, who is really interesting when he's sharing his thoughts with the world. So that's someone who I'm I'm really, really inspired by. Packy McCormick and not boring, Mario, Mario Gabriel and the generalist, huge inspirations to me and huge inspirations for us as we were building Workweek. I really love seeing people do different things in this space and seeing people who are willing to put out work that isn't, they're not trying to make it look like Bloomberg and super polished and overly beautiful, um, but just there are a lot of great creators out there who are really authentic, saying really important things, getting it out. And people just like, don't care if it looks pretty because the content is really good. So I've, I've drawn a lot of inspiration from folks like that as well. And it's something I've tried to pass along to creators at Workweek, which is focus on the content, focus on the quality of the content, putting a flashy banner on, you know, lipstick on a pig kind of thing doesn't, doesn't work, doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't have to be beautiful or this like perfect TV news kind of vibe to make a really big impact. And I think over time, the packies of the world are going to become, if not have already become much more impactful than the Gartner magic quadrants uh, that people, people have looked at for so long. I love that. And I think the trends happening in B2B too, where people are looking to their peers and looking to social media and looking to Slack channels to get advice on why to buy instead of going to Gartner and going to award sites of what is the best product. They're just asking their friends and getting real authentic advice from people. It's not happening there. And I think the keyword there is authenticity. That's really it. I've drawn my biggest inspiration in media from creators and media companies who are focused on authenticity and being humans. Because at the end of the day, when I am looking for a job, I'm going to go talk to my my friends and my network. When I am looking for advice, I'm going to go talk to my friend who's a 
has expertise in that space. And people like, uh, you know, I've, I've said his name a lot now, but Packy make it really, because he's built this authentic persona, he's been really genuine. People trust what he's saying and are, are going to look to him for those things as well versus some award site or, or something else. So that really is the the key thing, I think, is authenticity in all of this. I'm big on it too. And I you see it all over with TikTok and stuff like that. One question I have for you is, if someone was starting out right now in the space, what's something that you would tell them that they'll come and thank you five years later? Don't sweat the small stuff. And, and I think that comes back to authenticity. And, and I, I don't want to be redundant with all the things I've said, but so many new creators and media companies at large, I think, focus so much on the polish and how can we put beautiful banners on our podcast videos? How can we get like amazing branding for this newsletter, uh, every period and semicolon and everything matters. And like, I just don't believe it does. I think really if your content is good and it's formatted in a way that is accessible and consumable for your audience, your audience is not going to care at all about the typos or a missing period or a weird semicolon. Or if you're, title is in title case or sentence case, like no one cares. They just want to talk to you and hear from you and learn from you. So stop worrying so much about making everything perfect and, and just hit publish. Well, I think that's the biggest barrier for people is they worry about, and I think part of it, it comes from school and being perfect and your writing and getting marked down if you didn't have the, a period here or a semicolon here or something was misspelled. It was just, it's ingrained in a lot of people's heads and being grammatically wrong sometimes is bad. I would rather read a grammatically poor but interesting thought piece every day of the week than something that's really polished and doesn't say anything. And so I, I just, I couldn't agree more. And I think everyone feels like to compete, they have to create something that looks like a proper classic news station or make something as like tight and clean as, as the journal or the times. And I think actually the, the opposite is true. The more real you can be, um, the more you feel real, the more you feel like you're texting a friend or emailing a friend. I think Nick Sharma's newsletter is a perfect example of this. And I imagine a lot of, a lot of folks who would listen to this podcast would know who Nick is and his newsletter is crazy successful. And it literally just looks like, your friend Nick sent you an email. There aren't any images. There isn't crazy formatting. Uh, there aren't any colors. It's just an email from a person. That to me is something I keep in mind all the time is just keep that authenticity. If you have something good to say, people will read it. Who is or who has been a mentor to you in your career? And it could be some of the same people you've said. The first person that really comes to mind is someone who was my manager. Her name was Allison. She was my manager at the SaaS company I was at before I got back into media. And she was an incredible manager and every day worked so hard to make sure the people on her team felt seen and valued. And while that is not specific to media or to marketing, it's something as a leader I've carried with me always. She was always the first person to shout out a win for the team or a win for, for me or the, a person on the team and celebrate you. 
with the company and, and share your value with everyone. And for Adam and I, celebrating small wins is so core, every, every win, but being able to even celebrate small wins is so core to who we are and core to the culture we want to build. That mentorship from a leader who didn't have to spend the time that she did making me feel valued helped me become the person that I am and helped me have the confidence to go do this crazy thing by, you know, co-founding a company. She's someone I I really carry with me and think about a lot as a a leader and a manager and and think about every time I approach celebrating wins and, and celebrating people on the team and helping them feel valued. I think that's so critical across every business and just has to be the number one answer for me. I think a lot of the best advice doesn't in marketing doesn't even come from marketing. So, or the best advice doesn't come from a person who was in marketing. Normally it's just something that you carry on. So I love that this manager celebrated the small wins and valued. And I think so many things in your career come from a great manager that propped you up or gave you the confidence to do something. I think that like people underestimate like the impact a manager has on someone's career. So I definitely agree. I think talented, hardworking people will be able to switch roles, do different things, switch industries. But something that's like behind all of that is a great manager who made you feel like you could. And uh, that's something I think everyone, I, I would hope any manager who's on our team and any manager I work with thinks about how they can help their team feel valued because at the end of the day, whatever industry, whatever media product, whatever it is, it's going to, to help everyone get to the next level. Awesome. The last thing I like to do in the podcast is just ask where people could follow you and your journey online or offline, but online. Uh, <laughs> where Coming out Austin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we hopefully are pretty easy to find. My company Workweek is just at Workweek Inc. on Twitter. Follow us there. My Twitter is at Beck Sherm, B-E-C-S-H-E-R-M. That's the place I'm most probably publicly followable and would love for to hear from anyone who's listening. Uh, if you're in Austin, let's grab a coffee and uh, appreciate anyone following along. We're having a lot of fun. Awesome. And I agree. Go follow Workweek and they have some amazing creators of all industries if you want to learn from we got a pretty good marketing guy. I uh, he's all right, so you know. Yeah, we have a, we have a one or two marketing people that are pretty good, and I know some a, a marketing female that's amazing too. Um, a couple actually, that. actually a couple. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a couple. Thank you, thank you so much for joining, and this has been awesome. Yeah, thank you, Daniel. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.